0: Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Welcome. Good morning, family. Good morning. Can we give it up for our online? Look, if you're online, I ask that you share. It would be awesome. Look, we want to spread the word and get the gospel to as many people as we can. Um, First off, I want to take a moment. My dad taught me something very important as a young man. Uh, I want to honor Pastor Chris in the room. Can we go ahead and honor Pastor Chris? Come on. So good. Look, I have known this man since I was probably 15. Um, He uh, helped get me saved. Uh, I've never seen this man more stressed. Uh, (laughs) This building, man, all of us as a staff if, you know, if anybody knows anything about Pastor Chris, he loves water bottle caps. And uh, water bottle caps. Wow, I said that fast. It's my Mexican coming out of me. Uh, he loves water bottle caps. And when he gets stressed or he's thinking, he chews on them. That man comes in 9 in the morning chewing on a bottle cap. Like, and I'm like, oh, what's going on? He's like, the building, bro. It's just the building, the building. So, look, he has had a season of ch- growing and stress And pruning, however you want to put it, if you want to be super spiritual. But he has had a season. So let's give it up for him. He has done amazing (laughs) through it. Look, I'm excited for what God's going to do in the room today. Uh, First service was amazing. Uh, Really deep. A lot of people just began to, I, I felt the Lord was really healing some hearts. Uh, so I'm excited for what God's doing in the room and what he's doing with this church. So as a culture to this church, if we can stand for the reading of the word. Let's go ahead and throw a Second Chronicles up. All righty. It says, if my people who are called by my name humble themselves and pray, seek my face, turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and heal their land. Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for what you did for service, God. I thank you for what you're doing in this room. God, I thank you for what you're doing uh, with the people in here, God. I thank you for um, a powerful worship service, God. I thank you for a powerful time of worship. Father, we ask that you begin to um, just sit in the room with us, God. Father, I ask that all hearts, all minds begin to be silenced. Father, I ask that the walls of the heart begin to come down. Father, I ask that for the chambers that they put over, God, the secrets of the heart begin to open up. And God, I ask that you begin to speak what only you want to say. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys can go ahead and be seated. Look, we're continuing on with the series, If. Uh, Pastor Chris had a, and I had a hard time, so we came up with a really dope name for the series, and it's called If. Uh, so, <laughs> because obviously it starts, If My People, right? So we've been starting the series, and Pastor Chris has been going over kind of piece by piece the scripture And the first week was identity, if my people. The second week was humility, humble themselves. The third week is seek my face. And I get to speak on seeking the face of Jesus and I'm excited, because that was something that was really hard for me as a young person, because I just wanted to play video games. (laughs) So I believe though that seeking the face of Jesus is probably one of the most important things as a believer. It's through seeking, when we learn all these things, our identity, It's through seeking we learn all these things, which is humility. Uh, Further on, we learn the things of repentance. We learn the things of forgiveness. I believe through seeking. And it's beautiful because I believe it's a representation of the Lord for us. He, He desires our hearts. He desires us. He desires to be in oneness with us. And we get the chance as believers to respond and desire him. One thing I've learned about seeking is is oftentimes our eyes will dictate uh, what we're looking at, dictate how we do things. Um, So one thing I've learned is I have to choose oftentimes whether I'm going to choose to seek the face of Jesus or I'm going to look at my situation. I'm going to choose to zone in and have a heavenly perspective, a good perspective focusing on him and not look at what's around me or what's in front of me, my circumstance, and so, as I was praying, uh, I, a story of my life got brought up as I was praying, and uh, it was about when I was 19. And when I was 19, I was driving to work, and I hit a homeless man in my car. Uh, Everybody's like, oh my gosh, you hit a homeless man? He's alive. He, I was acquitted, free of charge. He was jaywalking. I'm not gonna say it was my fault, but like at the same time, there was no crosswalk, not even 100 feet away. I know the whole law behind it, and I hit I hit a guy. He's good though. He's healthy. He's good. He's good. He's back at home. And um, so, oh my gosh, he's a homeless man. I said he's back at home. Oh my gosh. <laughs> um, sorry. <laughs> so, <laughs> Steph, God, I love it. I love it. Online, you're in for one today. Uh, so uh, so yeah, I, I hit this man, and I'm driving. I'm driving. Boom like hard, and if anybody's ever hit anything whether a dog, a cat, I don't know, I'm, I'm just gonna say I was the most extreme. He rolled over my car and I stopped. I'm like, oh no, what was that? Get out of my car, come around, the guy's on the floor, and I'm like, oh, I killed him. And he's like, oh, I'm like, oh, okay, good, I didn't kill him. And so I'm like, all right, we're good, we're good, we're good, and so me being 19 in internship, I'm like, hey man, I'm a pastor, can I pray for you? After I hit him, right? You already done something and then you're like, Jesus, Can you like heal what I did? And like, so I was like, hey, bro, I'm a pastor. Can I pray? And he's just like, oh, and I'm like, oh, okay. Okay, Jesus, just healing. Don't get me in trouble. Amen. And so I'm like praying for him. And I'm like, and then all of a sudden out of nowhere, I'm next to a gas station. These cholos walk. I'm like, hey, hey, bro, you just hit that guy, bro. Like you hit him so hard. And I'm like. Oh, you're stressing me out. You're stressing me out, dear God. And he's like, hey, bro, you, I got it, bro. I watched the whole thing. The whole thing, bro. And I'm like, okay, my Mexican's coming out of me, guys. I got uncles that sound like this. And so he's like, super cholo. Like, he's like, hey, hey, yeah, we called the cops. You hit him. Hey, he's, he got hit hard. And the guy's like there. And they're like talking about him right there. And I'm like, what? Dude, bro, he's like on the floor. And they're like, oh, yeah, hey, bro, we called the cops and everything. But when they come, we got to go. Like, we out. We're out, bro. So they run away. They run away, do the little trello dance. And I'm like, <laughs> just, like you know, and I'm like, I'm like, like bro, y'all loosened me up for a service. Uh, so anyways, and like, I'm like, okay, cops come. And I'm like, okay, come on. I got, man, I got to tell the story now to him. The paramedics taking care of him. And we got to tell the story. And I'm like, hey, so this is what happened. He's like, you know, man, I'm just going to be honest with you. It happens all the time. Um, and so, see, I didn't catch it. It happens all the time. Like, I was like, oh, okay. All the time? He's like, all the time. This happens all the time. I'm like, why do I feel better? He's like, you're not going to get in trouble. Like, you're good. It was an accident. More than likely, this doesn't press charges. You're good. I'm like, okay, cool. My mom gets there, starts crying, frantic mom. My mom cares about me a lot, and so she's crying like, "Mijo, are you okay?" I'm like, "Yeah, but he's not." And so like, I'm just like, she's like, "You're gonna be fine. You're gonna be fine." I'm like, cool. I get home because in am five minutes away. I had to go home. I call off of work. I'm like, I'm just too broken. I can't do this. And so I call off of work. Call off work. Tell my boss I hit a guy, and he's like, "What?" I'm like, "Yeah, I hit a guy." And so he's like, "Okay, like, let's 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 call off. Good. Go home. Get some time." I'm like, okay, I get home, pull up in my mom's car, because I was like, I'm not going to drive my car, I'm scarred. And so I come, and my dad comes out like, son, what are you doing? Don't you know I'm going to lose the home? Look, teenagers, young adults, if you're still with your parents, sometimes they get a little stressed. Parents, I'm giving you a freebie here. Don't pull this ticket all the time, but I'm giving you a freebie. Sometimes they get a little stressed, all right? And they just say things. Like, they don't really mean they're going to lose their home in the moment. hopefully. And so I'm like, all right, well, thanks, dad. He's like stressing me out hardcore. And I'm like, so I go, I'm like, I'm gonna shower. So I shower. Anybody knows there's Jesus times in the shower? And so I'm like showering. was like, Lord, I can't. And now I'm focused on what my dad was doing and not what the authority told me. Not that he told me it was gonna be safe. I'm gonna be fine. I remember, I over the head, totally forgot. And so I'm like, all right, stressing. A few days go by. I call my wife. She wasn't my wife at the time. But I call her, and I'm like, can you come over? Yeah, we're coming over, hanging out. And all of a sudden, I'm like there. I'm still sad, downcast. And she's like, what's wrong? And I'm like, I'm, just, I'm still stressing about the homeless man. And she's like, i going to laugh. And I'm still stressing about the homeless man. And she's like, babe, what are you doing? And I'm like, and she's like, where are your eyes? What are you fixated on? What are you looking at? Are you looking at Jesus or are you looking at the anxiety, the captivity that your brain's going through? Are you looking at what he did or the authority or what the cop said or are you looking at the situation? And I'm like, oh, man, I know you are going to be my wife. <laughs> like, I never want to say, mommy, Hey, Can I get them digits so hard? But I already had them, so it was cool. And so, <laughs> so I was like, look, look, you're right. And it brings me it brings me to my to my first point what you choose to look at now will either bring freedom or captivity Where your eyes are focused what you look at what you choose to desire what you choose to seek will either bring you into a place of walking in freedom that's designed for you or captivity whether it's in your mind your heart the situation Will you look at the father now or look at the situation so I want to go over a woman in the Bible, and I'm probably going to paraphrase and skip over some things um, just in the word. But I want to go over a character in the Bible most of us know uh, known as Hannah. Pastor Chris spoke on a little bit of this at the Dream Team conference, and I, I was like, texting him. I was like, thanks, bro, you took my sermon. And he was like, yeah, I'm sorry, bro, but still a preacher." And I was like, all right, go ahead. And so he took it. <sighs> Kudos to Jesus. Uh, no, I'm just kidding. And um, so we're going to go over a little bit of her responses in a situation of stress. Sound good? Yeah. All righty. If we can throw up 1 Samuel 1, 2. I'm giving you guys this Bible for the year. Um, there's a lot of verses. And so it starts with uh, Elkanah, which is the husband in this. It says, he had two wives. The name of the one was Hannah, and the name of the other was Penanah. And Penanah had children, but Hannah had no children. Now this man used to go up year by year from his city of worship to worship and to sacrifice the Lord of hosts at Shiloh where the two sons of Eli, which was the priest at this time, Hophni and Phinehas were priests of the Lord. Those are the right ways to say I looked up the Bible app and I had it read it back to me. And so it's like, oh, he said it wrong. No, I didn't. Uh, On the day when Elkanah sacrificed, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion. Because why? Though the Lord had closed her womb, and her rival used to provoke her grievously to irritate her, because, of the Lord, because the Lord is close to her womb, so it went on year by year, as often as she went up to the house of the Lord. She used to provoke her. Therefore Hannah wept and would not eat. This is the first response. And Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why do you weep? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart sad? Am I not more than ten sons? ESPN highlights. Here we go. There's a man named Elkanah. He is a Levite at this time. This is from the 12 tribes of Israel. They were, the best way to put it is probably uh, religious leaders, God's chosen people, God's chosen tribe. They were Levites, like high up there. There's two wives, Hannah and Peninnah. One of them can give kids, the other one can't. Hannah was barren. Um, her name meant Favored. Hannah was barren, and in barrenness in the society now at this time was often considered as somebody, if you were barren, who could not uh, bear children. They were often considered lost, cursed, forgotten. Uh, It was considered that the Lord had forgot about them. Uh, They were society. Society would probably um, label them as people who the Lord has took their hand off of. People who the Lord has forgotten about, he's done with, uh, pretty much dead. It was almost like they were, like, dead. And so she's living this life probably feeling complete opposite of who God has declared her to be, which is favored. In Jewish culture, they would call their kid their name and not their name. So her name, they probably would have addressed her by, hey, favored, as opposed to, hey, Hannah. They would have addressed her by her name. So imagine being called one thing, but society completely labels you as another. Where it feels like there is no favor on your life. Hannah responds, and I think this is her first response, and it leads me to my first point. Oftentimes, we choose to look at what's in front of us and allow that to dictate our response. We choose to look at the situation. We choose to look at the current circumstance, the doctor's report, the condition of our children being out of the home, the the stress and say, God, you know, I've been praying, but hey, I just can't move forward. It's too hard. So I'm not even gonna receive anything else you have for me. Hannah's private life and accusations caused her to respond in two ways. The first one was to be grieved and hurt. It caused her to run away from the portion her husband was trying to give. See, Elkanah knew the problems that Hannah faced. He's a husband. I mean, hopefully husband's in the room. You know your wife. Uh, He knew what society was probably saying about her. He knew that society was probably labeling her as something that she believed she wasn't. He knew these things. I believe that is a resemblance of the Father's love for us. He responds and says, Hannah, am I not more than enough for you? I believe the Lord in the room is asking the question, am I enough? Am I enough? Is the situation bigger than me? That's a word for somebody. Is the situation bigger than what my declaration over you has? Oftentimes we respond this way. We we hurt, we grieve, we hold on to the pain, we hold on to the roots, we hold on to what it looks like is healthy for us. We hold on to everything that we think we are validated in walking in. Right. right. Could it be that Elkanah's representation Of the Father is that He's simply fascinated with you in your current season. That the God of miracles, the God who split the sea, the God who calls us by name, is extremely fascinated with you right now. In this season you're in, in your current circumstance, in your current reality, God desires one thing, and that is that you would draw to Him because He wants to show you how much He's fascinated and deeply in love with you. I want to go over Hannah's second response. Uh, Verse 9 After they had eaten and drunk in Shiloh, Hannah rose. Do not regard your servant as a worthless woman, for all along I have been speaking out of my great anxiety and vexation. Then Eli answered, go in peace, and the God of Israel grant your petition that you've made to him. And she said, let your servant find. Let your servant find. Then the woman went her way and ate, and her face was no longer sad. They rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord. Then they went back to their house at Ramah, and Elkanah knew his wife Hannah. And the Lord remembered her. And in due time Hannah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Samuel for Samuel, for she said, I have asked him from the Lord. I believe Hannah's response to this to, to the situation the second time was the best one. Yeah. She pressed, she sought after the Lord in the middle of pain. In the midst of everything, she chose to put her face down and seek. And pursue the Lord. To the point where it made a vow. She made a promise to the Lord. Man, some of was just making promises. Like, I, I was, when I was getting married, uh, we, you have to do vows. In just In case you didn't know, you guys have to do vows when you get married. And I was right here. My wife loves Mexican food. All right, know that now. If you want to please her or get her happy, just bring her, like, tacos or a gift card to La day or something. Like, she loves Mexican food. And so I'm like deeply in love, and I'm just here. I'm like, yeah, babe, we're writing our vows, and I, I promise. I was like, babe, I, I promise that I will always dance with, to La Chona with you. I will always buy you burritos. Seriously, like burritos. I will always buy Mexican food for you. And I'm like yeah, I'm making these promises. She's just like, score. She's so happy she married a Mexican. And so, <laughs> and so I'm like making these promises because I'm just so deeply in love. He was like, wow, Pastor Ben dances? Yeah, I do. I can top rock too. My dad was a break dancer. <laughs> That's for you online. And so, uh, so she, she makes this vow. She makes this vow to the Lord in the midst of her pain. You see, Hannah was at a place where she had to face herself. Her desperation had to trump her anxiety and vexation. Her desperation for the Lord. I have to say, it's, it's more, I am more hungry to see God and to see what he can do than, I, than what my situation is telling me is possible. I am more hungry to see God and what he will do than my situation and the possibility of what can really happen. What I, what I love about this is She promised and sought after God, even though the promise wasn't yet fulfilled. I I believe that's a word uh, for this service. You may be pressing, you may be going after, you may be doing your best. Hannah made a promise to the Lord, and nothing was showing. She wasn't even pregnant. And she was like, God, I'll give you everything. I'm not even pregnant. I'll give you everything. To the point where she said, God, I'll give you what's already yours. Samuel was supposed to be a Levite. That's his bloodline. He was already going to be appointed. She just said, God, I'll give you what's already yours back. I believe this is the first time Hannah believed who God identified her as. What did she tell Eli? Let your, fi- let your servant find what? Favorite, favorite. What's her name mean? Favorite. I believe this is the first time through seeking the Lord, the Lord began to remind her, Hannah, I've called you favored. He reestablished her identity. Yep. He reidentified who she really was right. to the point where she can say, God, let, let, let your servant, who I am, find favor in you. Yep. Her name became reality. Society was no longer able to define her. Culture was no longer able to define her and say what or who she was. Because Hannah chose to seek the one thing, what people seen as closed and barren, God seen as a home for only him. I'm gonna say that again. I'm gonna say that again. Because Hannah chose to seek God. What everybody else seen as impossible, God said, that's a place for me to dwell. That's a place for me to work a miracle. That's a place for me to uh, split the seas. That's a place for me to uh, step in when things don't seem like they're going right. That's a place for me to come in unexpectedly and solve the problem. Because why? Hannah chose one thing, and that was to seek. Hannah then has a son by the name of Samuel because the Lord remembered. Hannah remembered and kept her promise also. What was given to Hannah was given back to God in obedience. Your bloodline, your legacy, the foundation you set for your children now, the foundation you set for the young people around you now, will then begin to determine the outcome, right? What we seek will bring freedom or captivity, You may be praying for somebody in your family to be saved. You may be praying for that young person to come to the Lord that you work with. You may be praying for the doctor's report to be different than what you heard. If you choose to seek the Lord, he'll take care of the rest. I believe Samuel understood one thing, and I was seeking the Lord because his mother understood what it looked like to seek the Lord. She modeled it for him. Right. She modeled depressing. She modeled depressing in the pain. She modeled the seeking in the discomfort. And he chose to seek the Lord because she modeled it for him. Yeah, he shouldn't have been the next. Right there's Eli with two sons. They weren't the next. Samuel was because why? He chose to seek the Lord before anything else. Right. It set a precedence, an outline for her her bloodline, for uh, Elkanah's bloodline, for Hannah's bloodline. It set precedence for Samuel to come in and change uh, Israel through a transition from judge to monarchy to anoint David eventually. Some to the point to where scholars will believe that he's a hero of the history of Israel. Because why? His mom said, I'm going to seek. God establishes us through seeking him. He establishes how we respond. He establishes our character, our heart, our posture, who we are all through seeking him. Uh, Worship team can come up. Um, hmm. When I was um, engaged... Uh, me and my wife went on a fast. Um, when she was 14 or 15, she was diagnosed with Ehlers-Danlos Syndrome. Uh, for some nurses or doctors in the room, uh, she, it was JIA. That's just another term for it. Um, the, 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 the problems that this comes with were uh, quite a bit. One of them, she was hypermobile, which would cause immense amount of pain to the point where she couldn't walk. Um, she would end up in a wheelchair um, she she would pass out just when she got too hot when she was in too much pain she would just pass out uh, another one is she her her uterus would rupture um, at a, a baby, so her miscarriage chance was about sixty five percent and her her ability to go full term, not go full term, was 80%. Wow. So all our kids would be preemies. Um, it was extremely high. And pain, pain, pain all the time. Just uncomfortability. So we decided, being super spiritual, we fasted. We fasted for nine months. We went vegan, right? How can Mexicans go vegan, bro? Like, <laughs> We like tacos, burritos, cutting in a salad, like all that in one. And so we fasted. We went vegan for nine months. I was glowing. She was glowing. She still is glowing. She's beautiful. And so I was looking good, though. And so we fasted for nine months. Come the wedding day, I'm like, yeah, God, you're faithful. I'm believing this is for our bloodlines. This is for the healing of my wife. This is, this is, this is it. This is a fast. You're going to do what you said you would do. And coming on our wedding day, we're standing here, and all of a sudden, uh, one of the bridesmaids passes out, and I'm like, okay, good, good, not my wife. I, mean, I, I, love, I love who passed out. I love who passed out. They were at our wedding. I love them. I still love them to this day, and passed out, and I'm like, okay, we're good. My dad jumps on stage, takes care of it. The guy's still behind me, and I'm like, okay, we're good. I'm focusing on my wife here. All of a sudden, another passes out. Um, this thing turned into a Benny Hinn conference, and another person passed out, and I'm like, oh man, all right, my wife's still good though, my wife's still good, it's beautiful, and so we're there, and I remember we come over, and Pastor Chris asks, asks her, hey, are you okay, and all of a sudden, she just collapsed, and so I caught her. And in the moment, I was like, yeah, I caught my wife. Good. She's okay. We sat her down. We finished the wedding. Pastor Chris was like, we just got to get you out of here. You got us out of there. We go out, cool down. Um, and she passes out. And I remember after, for the honeymoon, after the romantical phase, after the honeymoon went out, after everything was all said and done, um, I was at home one day. And um, when I was at home, I was like, Lord, why am I feeling so weird? Why do I just feel like distant? Why do I feel like you're not listening to me? Why do I feel like this? And I remembered the wedding. And I became a bit bitter. I was bitter for the I was bitter. I was in ministry. I was I was an intern. I was doing the thing. I was bitter with the Lord though. And I was like, God, you said You promised me that my wife would be healed. The Lord responded and said, Son, you sought after the thing that I can give, not me. You sought after the thing that I can provide, the thing I can offer you, the healing, the son coming home, the doctor's report being obsolete. You sought after the thing that I can provide, not my face, not my being, not who I am. You sought after that and not me. And I began to weep. And I was like, Lord, you're right. You're right. You're so right. And he began to change my perspective. And he said, son, what if that passed out was the last time she's ever gonna do it again? What if what looked like was bad? What if what looked like was nothing came full circle? What if what looked like that was actually the way I was gonna move? So my direction began to shift. I began to see his face, I began to understand it, I began to see it, and within months, kid you not, I would count it maybe three months, my wife began to walk out her healing and is still walking into it this day. You guys, this time right now, she should be in a wheelchair. She should be in a wheelchair. I have two kids full term. Two kids full term. My wife's not in a wheelchair. I have two kids full term. And you know what my kids get going to learn now? Is that in this, they've seen a mother and a father pursue the Lord when things didn't look right. They've seen a mother and a father pursue God when they're bitter, when they're upset, and get to keep going. So from now, generations and generations get to see and hear about grandpa and grandma pursuing the Lord. We prayed for the shifting of a bloodline. We prayed for the shifting of legacy to be changed. And we got it. Why? Because we fixed our gaze and get to have a heavenly perspective and pursue God when things didn't look okay. Two people decided to say, God, you're enough. God, you're enough. Yes, you're enough. God, let me see your face and you take care of the rest. So I want to give a moment to respond this morning. So if we can stand to our feet. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at com. Have an amazing rest of your week.